RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I am your host, Vincent Hill, and today is February the 20-something. What is today's date? The 27th? Wow, can you believe it? It is almost March of 2019. Seems like this year's just chugging and chugging and chugging and chugging along. Hey, I'm just back from New York. I was up there Monday and Tuesday hosting, of course, Law and Crime. You can watch us. You can go to lawandcrime.com to find out how you can watch. You can watch us on Pluto TV, Philo TV, XUMO.TV. There's so many ways you can watch Law and Crime. And of course, go to the Law and Crime YouTube page to watch us there as well. Now, one of the cases that we're covering, one of the new cases, is uh, Newman Raja. He was a Palm Beach County Sheriff's Officer uh, up until 2015, October 18th of 2015, when he shot and killed Corey Jones, who was a stranded motorist uh, on the side of the road off an exit ramp of I-95 and PGA Boulevard. And I guess if you live in Palm Beach, you know PGA Boulevard. I don't know what PGA um, Boulevard is, but I assume it means like PGA, like the golf thing. I don't know. Uh, but the trial started just uh, on Tuesday morning. It, it started opening statements. And I want to dive deep into that case because I've talked about it here on this show when I first heard about this shooting last year. And uh, Raja, Newman Raja, the defendant in this case, attempted to claim stand your ground, which, of course, we know exists in Florida. Uh, but, you know, when I talked about it on the show last year, uh, one of the things was, you know, I, I said the the evidence in this case don't match up with what Raja said. And there's actually uh, some detectives that are, are saying the same thing during this trial. Uh, so I want to dive deep into that. I want to play some audio and dissect the audio. But I want to uh, follow up from last week. We talked Jesse Smullett. And one of the things I said last week was that the relationship between the two brothers, the Nigerian brothers that he hired to stage this racist attack, the relationship was probably more than we knew of at the time. And just after uh, I had recorded that episode, the uh, acting state's attorney came out with a statement that said that one of the brothers, I can't remember which one, and I can't really pronounce their names, was the supplier, the dealer for Jesse Smullett, and he would sell him Molly, which is a street term for ecstasy. And yeah, you know, I always looked at some of the, the the photos of Jesse Smullett when he's standing in front of the red carpet and wherever these events take place. And I always said, man, he looks high, like he's under the influence of of something. And now it all makes sense. He was probably likely under the influence of Molly. And like I said, there was a deeper relationship to Jesse Smollett and these two guys in order to be able to convince them that, uh, yeah, we're going to act like two 
white guys and go out and buy ski masks and red hats and stage this attack. Uh, so, of course, Smollett was released on bond. We're waiting for the court date and curious to see what happens with that. I hope it's not a slap on the wrist because this incited a lot throughout this country, a country that's already so divided. So I hope he gets exactly what he should get, and I hope he doesn't get any special treatment uh, because he's nobody special now. Empire, 20th Century Fox, and the, the production company for the show Empire has said they're excluding him off the last, I believe, two episodes of the season. I guess from a cost standpoint, it would cost way too much to go in and edit him out of every episode they had, that they had already filmed, which I, I, I totally get, but I'll be curious to see how they write him off or do whatever they're going to do. Uh, but, of course, I really wasn't a, a follower or a watcher of the show uh, even before this happened. So I guess I'll just have to read about it uh, as it goes along as to how they wrote him off. All right. Now, so let me get to the heart of the matter here. We're talking Newman Raja again. Palm Beach uh, Gardens police officer. I think I said Palm Beach sheriff's officer earlier but palm beach gardens police officer uh october 18 2015 let me set the stage Corey jones a uh um young guy i don't know how old he is he's younger than me so he's young um was broken down on the side of the road of course this case gained national attention because Corey jones was a black man uh and it was a involving a police officer now if you listen to the name Newman Raja R-A-J-A you can surmise that he's not a Caucasian officer so it got a little bit of media attention <clears throat> a lot on the local set but not on mostly the the national set because it didn't of course fit the narrative that the mainstream media likes to run with and they couldn't use white officer nor could they use unarmed black man but I'll get to that so Newman Raja tells investigators, hey, I see this car. I don't think there's anyone in it. So I'm going to just pull in front of the car to check on it and maybe call dispatch to get a tow truck. All right. Now, the first thing that you would find odd with that is why would a police officer pull in front of a vehicle? Okay, I get that. And then when you add into the complexity that Newman Raja was in plain clothes, just jeans, a t-shirt that was on inside out and a ball cap. And he's in a white van. Uh, there's nothing to identify him as a police officer. But at any rate, he tells investigators after the shooting, four hours after the shooting, I pulled up, I got out. Uh, and the guy says, I'm good, I'm good. And he says, well, hey, man, police, may I help you? And that's when the guy, Corey Jones, pulled a gun on him. He fired three times. Corey runs. He fires three more times. They eventually find Corey on the ground dead. They eventually find a gun somewhere in this grassy knoll of the side of the road where uh, Corey's vehicle was parked. So that's Raja's statement right after the shooting. I got out and I said, I'm a cop and the guy pulled a gun on me. So maybe sounds kind of believable because yeah, people do attempt to shoot police. It's, it's no secret. 
it happens across this country all the time, so it seems pretty believable. Uh, but the only problem is what what uh, what Raja did not know was that Corey was actually on the phone with AT&T roadside assistance. And actually that dispatcher who was taking the call testified yesterday in court. So Corey's on with uh, AT&T dispatcher. Hey, I'm broken down, yada, yada, yada. And here's where the story starts to fall apart. But before I dive into that, let's listen to it. Oh my gosh. Um Um, there's gunshots. All right, so that may have been a little hard to hear. Of course, this is not my audio. This is the audio that's been released uh, by the FBI and by public record. So you can hear the door chime to Corey Jones' vehicle, which tells you his door was open. And then you hear hear Corey say, huh? Then you hear Raja, who we now know on this audio is Raja, say, you good? Then Corey says, yeah, I'm good. Then Roger says, really? He's like, yeah, I'm good. And the next thing you know, you can hear Roger saying, drop the fucking gun, show me your hands. So here's the breakdown in the story. Now, I'll preface this with saying, I know how things can escalate really quickly in the line of policing. I get it. But here's where the story starts to break down. Roger says... This is what he tells investigators. I identified myself. Hey, police, may I help you? Hey, police, may I help you? And I have the audio from that video statement he gave just four hours uh, into this. And you can clearly tell that in this, he did not say, hey, police, may I help you? But Raja, again, he was in plain clothes in an unmarked car. He didn't have his radio. He didn't have anything identifying him as police. He called 911, and let's take a listen to what he said. Had a silver handgun in his right hand. I came out. I saw him come out with a handgun. I gave him commands. I identified myself, and he turned, pointed the gun at me, started running. I shot him. So there it is again. Now, this is just seconds after the shooting. He came out. He pointed a gun at me. I identified myself. And he started shooting. So I shot him. So not only is he saying this four hours later, he's saying this just seconds later because he made this call while he's still running after Corey Jones. So his story is really starting to fall apart because I identified myself as a police officer. He didn't do that. And the guy immediately jumped out on him. I'm going to explore that angle for here for just a second. Now, to give you a further back story to this, um, Corey Jones had been broken down on the side of the road. He was there for probably two hours. His brother had come out. Florida Highway Patrol had come out. They couldn't start the car. They left. His band member came out and uh, tried to give Corey a ride. 
but Corey had you know his drums inside the car so he didn't want to uh he didn't want to leave his drums i mean this was a very expensive drum set uh, i think someone said it was several thousand dollars worth of drums which i mean i can totally understand not wanting to leave those on the side of the road i totally get it i don't think i'd want to do it either uh so Corey had been out there for some time you, you heard the call from uh at&t now he was on hold with them for 30 minutes before that the roadside assistance after that, you know, they have to get the vehicle information. They have to find all of this stuff out. So, Roger says, Corey jumped out. All right, let's explore it. Put yourself in Corey Jones' shoes. You've been on the side of the road for two or three hours. You've called your friend. You called your brother. You're on the phone with roadside assistance. The Florida Highway Patrol had already come out. They couldn't help. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the reason that Corey Jones did open his door because Raja actually pulled in front of him going the wrong way on the uh, exit ramp. The reason Corey Jones did open his door was because he likely thought this was maybe someone the Florida Highway Patrol had sent over. Again, it's an unmarked white Ford Econovan. Nothing on it says police. He's on the phone with roadside assistance. So probably in Corey's mind, after being stranded for three hours and it's three in the morning, he's thinking it's someone that's going to come maybe try to jump the car or, you know, call for a tow truck or something like that. So anybody on the side of the road when there's this white van just randomly showing up, is probably going to get out of their car to figure out what's going on. So... I do believe one part of Roger's story that Corey Jones got out of the car immediately. Yeah, he did because he saw a van pulling up. But then again, let's listen to what Roger says. Now, this is actually from a video statement he gave four hours later. Or something like that, or a suspicious vehicle, or a suspicious person to call a mark unit, give them my position where I'm at, and tell them, hey, this is where this person is through. And then once the mark unit comes out there, makes the initial stop, comes in contact, you know, throw my vest on if I need to, and everything like that, and then go ahead and make contact with them. So he said, I was told during this so called uh, burglary operation that they were doing, if I come across something, to call a mark unit. And then if I need to, to put on my vest, his vest that says police, to identify himself as a police officer. So he's already saying that he didn't do what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to, according to him, and this, you know, he said that during their roll call, this is what they said they would do. If he saw anything suspicious, he would call a mark unit and have the mark unit come out to investigate it. He didn't do that. So he goes on to tell investigators, well, I I, I originally saw the car. I didn't think anybody was inside of it. So I went to the next light. I made a U-turn and I called out on the radio. I put it out over the radio, an abandoned vehicle. Now, the problem with this is with that statement, he never dispatched or he never called dispatch to say there's an abandoned vehicle on the side of the road and I'm going to get out and check on it. So what I personally think happened was that Raja 
actually saw Corey Jones inside that vehicle. And it's three in the morning. Corey Jones is just kind of stuck on the side of the on-ramp. Raja goes to turn around to investigate what's really going on and where he messed up because, again, I'll preface it with, yeah, I've been out on those kind of stings. Where he really messed up was he never once called dispatch to say, hey, show me out on a suspicious vehicle, I-95 and PGA Boulevard, and send me a car. So... He gets overzealous. He sees Corey Jones. He's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go look at that and figure out what's going on. And then when when Corey sees him, he jumps out of the car, understandably so. And uh, that's when all hell breaks loose. So I, I will, you know, say that Corey Jones did have a gun. They recovered a gun on the scene. Now, Roger says, at some point, Corey Jones turned and pointed the, the gun towards him. That's what he says. Uh, so we don't know where the gun was. We don't know if Corey had it on his person at the time. We don't know. This is Roger's story. Um, he was armed, but he was licensed to carry. So, and I'm putting myself in Corey Jones' shoes again. It's one in the morning. Well, it's three in the morning. There's this guy jumping out of this van, this white van that could be a pedophile van. I don't know. You could be trying to kidnap me. You, you could be trying to rob me. You could be trying to do anything. And you just jump out and you don't say, because we now know he did not say, even though he said it several times. I identify myself as a police officer and he immediately pulled the gun on me. That's not true. So you're on the side of the road. You see this this van pull up. You don't know who the hell it is. And guess what? I carry a pistol at all times. Guess what I likely would have done? I likely, too, would have pulled my gun on Newman Raja. And uh, the door swung open, and uh, this guy jumps up, and I immediately got out of the van, and he's like, I'm okay, I'm okay, man. And at which point I said, hey, man, police, can I help you? And the second I said police, he jumped back, and I clearly remember him drawing and going, pointing a gun at me. I saw that silver muzzle, and he had, I can swear on this, he had a laser max laser in the guide rod in the gun. And I saw that red light of that laser max flashing at me, and I immediately just shouted, drop the gun. And, so I pulled up. I identified myself. Hey, man, police, may I help you? And he immediately pulled the gun on me, and he even goes on to say, I can swear on this. I can see the laser max laser well come to find out the gun did not have a laser so now roger's defense team is saying well what really happened what had happened was that roger was confused because what he actually saw was the reflection of the flashing uh traffic light because you know at certain times of the night the traffic lights they flash instead of they stay solid so his defense team is saying well he was he was mistaken by that just simply because he saw flashing red lights as everything was was happening. Okay. Could be, could be not. I don't know. But several times Raja during this statement says, I know about guns and I know about laser sights and I know where they're positioned and I swear to it there was a laser on the gun. I saw it clearly. That's what he said. 
but there was no laser sight on the gun. Now, it's also important, too, Rajas does say several times Corey Jones turned towards him with his fist up. So based on his training, based on what he teaches, he knows he had a gun. Uh, Again, we do not know that, but here's what we do know forensically. The safety of Corey Jones' gun was still on which means he never fired it. There was not a bullet in the chamber. Uh, His brother testified in court that he had just purchased the gun two days before, and, uh, hell, he likely didn't even know how to use it. And it's my personal belief the reason he did not shoot at Raja is because either he didn't know how to take the safety off because he had just bought the gun, and it's not like it was a Glock or something like that where you got that bullet in the chamber, it fires. Uh, So... I think the reason Corey Jones didn't shoot Raja was because he didn't know how to operate the gun. And we we know for a fact that Raja did not identify himself as a police officer. So therefore, Corey Jones likely did pull the gun on him, but he just didn't fire because of that. Yes, sir. And I made sure I was speaking loud. I was like, I was like, hey, man, police, can I help you? And immediately he, and he does a step back and kind of like boom, and just draws the gun. It's basically if you're standing right here. Do you mind if I? Yeah, absolutely. Where was? No, 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 no. Sure. sure. Okay. You said you got out of the van here. You immediately. Earlier, you put your flashers on? You said something about putting your no, flashers on? No, no, no. My game plan, my game plan as I was coming from. So you, you, you see how, how his story's starting to break down when the investigators keep going back over things. He's like, well, 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 no, 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 my game plan. And one of the things I, I want to point out here, he said, I sell it, said it really loud that uh, I said, sell it, said it loud. Hey, man, police, can I help you? Can, can I can I help you? But you, you don't hear that in the AT&T recorded call. The FBI listened to it. They analyzed it. Florida Department of Law Enforcement. They listened to it. They analyzed it. Newman Raja never identified himself as a police officer at any point to Corey Jones. So therefore, when Corey Jones saw this strange guy in the middle of the night, almost morning time, coming up to him, what do you think Corey Jones thought? Just just think about that, you know, and I always say I don't want a Monday morning quarterback and officers decisions and their tactics. But sometimes you just have to, especially when you've done that job. And Roger, even in his his uh, video state statement or videotape statement, excuse me, uh, you know, talked about, man, you know, I, I teach this and I preach this. And I can't believe I was so stupid to pull in front of that that car like that because you should always assume the car is occupied. Well, he's absolutely right. You should assume the car is occupied. And like I said, I believe he saw Corey Jones um, inside the vehicle when he passed by and then went to turn around. And then he wanted to get the drop on Corey Jones because he was pulling up the wrong way on the interstate anyway, Raja was, because it was an exit ramp. So Raja's pulling in on the exit ramp. So I think he wanted to get the drop on Corey Jones to maybe catch him in the act or or, or something like that. Uh, but it went horribly wrong, and it went wrong for so many reasons because one of the things I've said, and I'll say it again, 
You know, when I was a police officer, excuse that tweet, when I was a police officer and I was in plain clothes, whether on duty or off duty, A, if I had to engage the public, I would have on my police vest something that said Nashville Police with the big bold letters in the back that said police. And the reason you do that is because unless you're working narcotics, which I have, and you, you know, you're out dealing with, with prostitutes or drug dealers, right? Where you have to like wear plain clothes and look like a citizen, but you're still engaging in police activity. If you're not working like narcotics or something like that, I assure you, you have on your tactical vest, the one that says police, and it has the, the emblem of your department and probably a badge. So when you get out of your vehicle, people can quickly identify you as a police officer. You never want to get out of your vehicle without that because the number one reason, and this is what Corey felt, the person you're approaching doesn't know you're a police officer. And the second reason, and I don't know how big Palm Beach Police Department is, the second reason is responding officers won't know you're the police because we're assuming that all cops know each other. There were people in the Nashville Police Department I never met. I had never seen because depending on what city you're in, the police department is just that big. So you put yourself in a huge amount of danger when you hop out of this vehicle, an unmarked vehicle, not with blue lights and siren, not with anything that says police and then Roger goes on well I keep my 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 uh, my my wallet badge in my back pocket well when you're approaching someone you don't have time to go for your wallet badge you know <laughs> and nor would you really have time to say hey I'm the police let me reach in my wallet and show you my badge it doesn't work that way Roger, at one point you said that he got out and you said hey man police yes can I help you? At what point did he say, what, or what, he said something, correct? He said right off the second he got out of the car, I jumped out immediately. He said, I'm good, man, I'm good. Even before or after you even, said police? Even before. That was the first words. He said, hey, man, I'm good, I'm good. And I responded with, hey, man, police, can I help you? Did he say anything after that? No. That was, that, 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 that was like the clicker. It was like, wait a minute. A normal person would be like, you know, if a normal human being was broken out and I identified myself as a police officer, like, wanting to help, I'd be like, no, no, I'm good. I'm waiting for someone to come bring the gas or, or I called a tow truck already or whatever the case might be. And he immediately just jumped back and I saw that fucking gun come at me. And at that point, it's like, he knows I'm a cop. I identified myself. This guy's trying to kill me. And I was, and I, I didn't want to die. Well, there you have it. He knows I'm a cop. I identified myself. And this, I saw the fucking gun. This guy wanted to kill me. I didn't want to die. Well, I, I, I think, and, and Raja, Newman Raja faces up to a year in prison for this. I think, or I'm sorry, up to life in prison for this. I think Newman Raja sealed his own fate when he gave that video statement, not knowing that Corey Jones was on the phone. And it's interesting, too, that one of the witnesses that was on the stand yesterday, a, a Kelly Sheridan, she was staying at the Doubletree Hotel, which is literally right off the exit. Her friend called 911 and said, hey, we heard gunshots. We can see this guy walking. They're describing Raja. And they also say 
that he was getting inside a silver SUV. So at some point, and, and Kelly Sheridan and her friend who were sharing this hotel room would have no reason to lie on uh, uh, Newman Raja because at that point they didn't even know he was a police officer and they're calling 911 and reporting what they see at that time. So at some point, we know Newman Raja got inside Corey Jones' vehicle for whatever reason. And we know the gun was not found near Corey's body. There's a whole lot of stuff we know, and I'm sure the defense will probably go into that as this trial goes along, because right now it's the prosecution's case that's being, uh, I'm sorry, the prosecution will go into that as it goes along, because there's a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of questions in this case. And the biggest question is, did Corey Jones know that Raja was a police officer? I will stand by it, and I will say no. And that's what led to this, because I'll stand by it again. If this guy in this white child pedophile van would have pulled up at me on me at three in the morning, I probably would have done the same thing. The only difference is we would have gotten a shootout because there's no safety on my Glock and I keep one in the chamber. So I can definitely understand Corey Jones state of mind that night. Um, you know, because even if think about this, even if Roger's story was true and he said, hey, police, police, he's in some raggedy jeans and a T-shirt, which is inside out. And I really question the fact that the T-shirt's inside out, to be honest with you. Uh, he says it's because, well, it's got an American flag on it. And the night before I, I wore a shirt with an American flag and everyone at the station said, well, people are going to know you're the police if you wear a shirt with an American flag. Well, that's the point because you were out on a burglary sting and you want people to know you're the police, but just wearing a shirt with an American flag, people are not going to automatically think you're the police. Hell, they may say, were you in the service? Were you in the army? Were you in the Navy? Were you in the Marines? Were you in the Air Force? But just because you have an American flag on your shirt doesn't necessarily mean people are going to think you're a cop. I, I have my suspicions. I think the shooting was a lot closer in proximity than Ron just says. He was the only one out there. He didn't have any backup. And maybe he had to hide some blood spatter that was on his shirt. But we don't know because investigators never took his shirt but they did ask about it like hey why is your shirt inside out oh because it's american an american flag oh okay i still personally would have taken the shirt but that's just me uh but you know again we're covering this case on the law and crime network i anchor on tuesdays from 12 to 3 i'm actually going to try to get down to palm beach florida uh so i can actually uh watch the trial live as it goes and report for the Law and Crime Network because I'm really curious to see how this goes. Um, listen, I, I personally think, and again, I don't like the Monday morning quarterback officers' decisions and what they think is an imminent threat. I can't say how I would have reacted in that situation other than I never would have pulled in front of that vehicle. And I know myself because I've never done it. I never would have approached a citizen in some jeans and a T-shirt saying I'm the police and acting in a police manner because they don't know who the hell I am. Just some six foot one black guys, as far as they're concerned. And that's all they know. Um, you know, so I say that to say this could 
Raja thought there was an imminent threat against his life. Yeah, absolutely. I totally get it. But for a guy who was up until this shooting teaching police tactics at the local college there, his tactics were horrible. And he talked about his training and, you know, well, based on my training and and my experience, I know when someone turns, they have a gun. Well, that same training should have told you not to pull up that way and not to get out of that car uh, the way you did. But again, he's facing life in prison uh, for for uh, first degree murder and get this attempted murder because why the attempted murder? Well, when I played the clip, the audio clip of the uh, roadside assistance call, I don't know if you count it, but there were six shots. There was a 10 second gap in between each uh, the, the three shots. So it was boom, boom, boom. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Boom, boom, boom. So the shots that hit uh, Corey Jones, one to the chest, one to the right arm, one to the right forearm, were the kill shots, hence the first-degree murder. The other three shots before that that missed the attempted murder. And one of the things the prosecution said was that those first three shots that missed uh, Raja had a chance to either reassess, call for backup, set up a perimeter, or do whatever. Uh, because, truthfully, the fleeing felon rule, it's hard to argue the fleeing felon rule. Well, it would have been really easy to argue the fleeing felon rule if Raja would have said, like he claims he did, hey, man, police, can I help you? And then Corey Jones pulls a gun on him. Because then you have officially assaulted a police officer by pointing a gun at him. That is a felony. Therefore, yeah, you can articulate the fleeing felon rule. Here's a guy with a gun. I told him I'm a cop. He pointed a gun at me. I started shooting. He flees. He could go out and kill the public. He's on the side of the road in this car. I don't know what the hell's going on. So, yeah, you could probably argue the fleeing felon rule there but you can't argue it when Corey Jones did not know you were a police officer and Corey Jones was acting in self-defense and the same law that Raja tried to claim about staying your ground that's the same thing Corey Jones could have claimed had he shot officer Raja and guess what would have saved Corey Jones the audio tape from the roadside assistance because if you if you turn it all around and you, you, you play it back reverse the roles Roger gets out of that car Corey Jones is like who the freak is this and he fires on him and kills Raja I guarantee he would have claimed stand your ground and he would have had the evidence to back it up because I'm sure the world would have been oh oh my god he shot a cop Corey would have said I didn't know he was a cop and guess what the audio tape would have backed him up. And that same audio tape is the same one that will convict Newman Raja because he lied to investigators. There's no other way to say it. He lied to investigators because he said it in this this uh, video uh, statement that he gave us like over 30 minutes long. And he said it so many times in that, vehicle st- that video statement. He said it in the 911 call. I'm sure he said it in some kind of written report that, yep, I said I was a cop. I said I was the police. And he pulled the gun on me. He would have fared better just saying, listen, I was out on patrol. 
I'm driving by. I see this car blacked out. I see a silhouette in it. So I turned around to investigate. The guy jumped out on me. I panicked, had my gun out because that's what happened. He had that gun out before before Corey Jones pulled his. I assure you that he was pointing that gun at Corey Jones or Corey Jones saw his gun because he never said police. I had my gun out. Then the guy pulled out on me. So I shot him. He would have done better telling that story because it's more believable. I approached this, this, this vehicle guy jumps out. So as he's getting out, I pull my gun out and when he sees that, he pulls his gun out and I fire. That would be a much more believable story because you know why? That's probably the accurate story. But since Newman Raja decided to lie, he's going to prison and rightfully so because although he's a cop, although this is beyond the badge, although, you know, I support police 100%, what I don't support is is a police officer that will lie to try to get out of something knowing he was in the wrong. All right, my time is up. I got to get out of here. I appreciate you, as always, for listening. I'll see you same time next week right here. Radioinfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, Follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a dark delight with Frank and Beans quick fix on Radio Influence. Can you imagine we just got to sit and shoot the shit with the president for an hour on a Friday? I've got things. I've got things to say and ask. And I'll tell you, maybe... I don't know if you want to be a, a part of that conversation, but I've got things to ask at least one on one with him. I got to ask him about time travel. I got to ask him about Tesla. <laughs> I got to ask him all the good. Consp- I got to say, okay, listen, Mr. President, Mr. Trump, you have to know how fun the internet is, how fun of a place the internet is, but there's some things that I've just really, I got to ask you about. Okay. So maybe you can't answer. But maybe some winks and nods. I don't know. I'm going to put it on out there. Do you have time travel technology? <laughs> That's number one. Then we can go to other things, too. I want to ask about a lot. But th- that would just be fun. And um, and we'd never have to worry about the the media again because he would be. He would be anointing independent media sources in big ways. That'd be let, great. Let me tell you something before we close up shop here today. He's they're they're transitioning that way right now, and let me tell you why. Pascal um, retweets Shem. Um, the president pins Carpe Donctum to the top of his profile. These are people I have personal relationships with. Mm. He retweets Brandon's march. The gap is being bridged. There's never been a president in history who has been this personally connected to his his base. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.